episode number 185 i'm your host aditya and along with me i have abhishek good morning everybody hi you took a second to recall my name i hope all is well i i had pressed <laughs> have you pressed the record button i'm just asking ah yes yes it's on okay <laughs> for once we are wondering why would we miss such an elementary thing because we've at least recorded three podcasts over the past 6 years without having remembering the, the the record button and we have gone back and did it again and fortunately the news changes too or fortunately the news changes yeah exactly good for us but yes the recording is on what do we have this week uh, we've got a lot of news however most of them is pretty morose about people dying so just bear with us however all these are interesting things especially you know when we start talking about amar bose so it is not about his death but it is celebrating his life Yeah baby. Yeah. <laughs> But let's start with the really sad story. On July 16 about 50 children most of them who were less than 10 years of age they complained of sickness after eating a lunch at a school in Patna which is 60 kilometers away from Patna. The meal was being served as part of the midday meal program that Indian government runs and sadly 23 children of the 50 died after having eaten contaminated food and investigators later discovered that the compound monocrotophos was found in a plastic container that actually stored the mustard oil for cooking at school as well as eating utensils and leftover vegetables from Tuesday's meal so this happened on a Tuesday last week and there are 72000 primary schools all across bihar and the midday meal program which we all have been taught when we were in school what it is all about it covers more than 120 million children all across india in some states it's doing better than the others but bihar probably the worst of them all absolutely i think tamil nadu is supposed to have the best of mm-hmm. the programs it also got started in tamil nadu the history actually goes back way up to 1920 when this program was started uh, in the british raj and then continued in tamil nadu first then all the pondicherry is also supposed to have a good uh, midday meal program and soon afterwards there uh, several states took up and implemented this program in the state afterwards it was um, funded by the central government itself and that's when it sort of expanded and went up to i'm just trying to look up the figure 10867.90 crores and i got this figure from the midday meal program government website so it is a large program right huge program and coming back to bihar and what happened there there was a study done in 2010 by india's planning commission and it found that 70% of students or children in bihar were unhappy with the quality of food and one fifth of them said that they do not get enough meals three fourth of the schools they said the administrator said that they do not have utensils for cooking and you mentioned that they cooked in a utensil which had pesticide stored in it so this was known and this was known in 2010 
and there's another problem of stocking the food the study found that it's not done on a monthly basis so some schools are overstocked some others are not absolutely right but a program of this sort which which goes out to 12 crore students i believe is what the program is targeting also from an implementation point right how do you actually implement such a program as part of the program the schools are supposed to stock schools are supposed to cook the food and the schools are supposed to also distribute the food while in school right the, to the school students but it's a school right we can barely manage to run them as schools is it a problem with us asking or the government asking the schools to now also start feeding the kids but i think it's it's a tried and tested method they say that the attendance of kids even in schools which do not have teachers are high because they serve midday meals and you know what tomatoes and onions are going through the roof your banana is 40 rupees a dozen oh really yeah and you need one banana a day to keep those adequate proteins or it is part of your diet man it's like Absolutely. the default fruit you need that and obviously people will not be able to afford it 50 rupees for those what what is called son keli or elaichi jo kehte hain uh-huh. the smaller ones it's 50 rupees a dozen in thane apparently there have been research papers that have been written by indian statistical institute which says that the midday meal program is a reasonably successful one where calorie deficiency has gone down by 30% i'm i'm reading out now you know it, the success of the program depends on which report you read a report that i came through in which one of the reasons for quote unquote failure of the program was that in spite of this 10000 budget figure that we have they say that it is low in delhi there are 17 ngos who cook these meals and distribute it to around 10 lakh students in 1800 schools and these ngos are saying that as per central government allocation it comes down to rupees 3.11 paise per day per child for primary students and rupees 4.65 paise for upper primary students that is a budget for per student 3 rupees that is what they get for serving the meals out and also this includes transportation and distribution costs okay so the actual value allocated to the food is is a lot low right and recently delhi government promised it to be increased by another 50 paise per child to cover the fuel costs after lpg ka subsidy nikal diya and all those sort of things on top of that this money is yet to come this is the thing that i learned recently is they declare that they will allot x crores and they can you know when they do that planning in march or april they can go back on their word or slash it by 50% without much explanation <laughs> that's why the five year plan actually gets implemented in the 10th year however when it comes to implementation the budget sanctioned is that of 5 years ago and inflation hasn't been accounted for anyways let me break this thing by a, a happy news i don't know whether it's a happy news or not but some information that i just got off of google news is that i know how curious you might be about the new the third in line to the throne of uk he has finally been named his name is george alexander louis Ah yes he is he tumbled forth a few days back the newspaper hits on the websites when tobering i mean everybody was happy google ads and all that people wanted to know more about google ads <laughs> yeah 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 so the uk web traffic it hit 94 million oh wow yeah that's a big one isn't it big spike this whole uk ka you know royal family it's a good business model that they have right right from when they are born to when they pass away everything is covered online everything is covered on tv 
Do you think they get something out of the TV rights, etc.? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I think they would rather not be seen on TV all the time. So let's move on. Amar Bose. Well, we are talking about him because he passed away last Friday. He was aged 83. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, he is actually the founder and chairman of Bose Corporation. Now, if you still don't know, I'm talking about Bose, the speakers, or the company that specializes in physical acoustics and psychoacoustics. So let me tell you the story. According to Amar Bose, he was writing his thesis and his doctoral thesis at MIT. He graduated from MIT and was doing his uh, PhD there. And he wanted some background music when he was writing his thesis. Hence, Bose bought a high-end stereo speaker system in 1956, which disappointed him that even though the speakers had impressive technical specifications, they failed to reproduce the realistic voice of a live performance. He wasn't right. concentrating on his studies at all, that means. <laughs> <laughs> so what did he do next? Apparently, he said, that, hey, well, I need to solve this, right? Uh, it motivated. So it took up research into speaker technology. And the main concentration was to solve the key weakness, specifically in high-end speaker, because you have paid so much and you are still not getting. So he started researching on acoustics, which led him to invent a stereo speaker that could actually reproduce in a domestic setting, which is very important, in a regular house, a reflected sound field, which basically gave you the feeling of being in a concert hall. Yeah, he said that instead of having one big speaker or a couple of them, you have multiple small ones and they are aimed at these walls at particular angles so that the, the sound that is reflected off them is a larger sound that is heard in concert halls in the comfort of your living room or, or wherever your television yeah. and these speakers are. And that's how he changed the game. And the rest of the speaker companies are like, how high can the volume go? The rest of the companies were going beyond how high the volume can go. You know, there were, were the first speaker music system that I bought that my father took me to buy I always went for the sticker that says 1000 1000 watts 1600 <laughs> yes, watts yes 23 gear cycle like <laughs> exactly <laughs> he was also known for his uh, for noise cancelling headphones that's their best selling product to date the noise cancelling headset and people still swear by them and I was actually surprised to know when I started reading that Bose now, after so many years, Bose is not the gold standard, is not the Wada Pows of speakers. <laughs> Who is it then? I mean, there are these other very small companies that specialize in doing this very well. However, what Bose came up with is the whole idea that there is some psychology mm-hmm. behind listening to sound. So he basically started an entire industry of perfecting the way music is supposed to be listened to. The slogan of the company was also that better sound through research. Through research, yeah. When you walk into any of the dealers, they make you sit in a room for you to experience how it will be when you take this home. Oh, yeah. You were trying to get iPod speakers, right? IPod. Those are 18,000 rupees, I think, yeah. About a year <laughs> back. <laughs> now, now I have, let me read what it says. Let me, it, it says... Mitashi, yeah, that's what that's Mitashi. what Mitashi speakers, <laughs> and they are good. They are good for what I've paid for, about three thousand five hundred. Mitashi, 
It's got a woofer also, man, and don't laugh. Yeah, it's course, got woofers. It yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Tweeters? Tweeters also? What is that? Oh, Tweeters. They just make, I think, they're supposed to make only sound, you know, background sound emit. Karta hai. If I'm not wrong, huh? let me see. So, a Tweeter is a loudspeaker designed to produce high audio frequencies, typically around 200 hertz to 20,000 hertz. Oh no, man! My, my my speaker just makes noise. It's a, <laughs> which is not bad, and I'm not an audiophile, as I say, so I don't really understand the difference. Yeah, that's the whole thing, right? I mean, we all listen to MP3s, which are not yeah. encoded to actually support any of these Bose systems. The sound has to be recorded in a particular way for it to be emitted in a 5.1, and you were talking about 7.1 and whatnot. Yes, and, and Bose happens to be a very generous man. Also, you you mentioned a couple of days back. I think he gave away a good portion of his stock to MIT for research. Yeah, and he actually refused to take Bose public because he wanted to invest in research. Yep. And he said that the public markets don't support research-based companies, and hence he kept it private. Also, you would be completely wrong if you thought that he was in. Indian born in India and then went studied in one of the IIT uh, whatever and then went to the US his father moved there when he fled Calcutta in 1920 to escape the British persecution because he was a freedom fighter he landed at Ellis Island with around five dollars in his pocket married an American school teacher and lived in Philadelphia until 1930s also, he taught at MIT for over 45 years. Even after starting the company, he mm-hmm. still came back to teach at MIT. He accepted that offer at MIT, saying that I'll only teach for two years. And then he went on to become one of the best teachers at MIT. And his, his dad, since you mentioned about it, his dad used to sell coconut fiber doormats in India. And, and oh, that, really? Yes, and that failed to take off and they moved to the US. And then the guy who actually made money in the house accidentally was... Bose Jr. himself because he started some radio repair services in the basement of his suburban home is what I read on New York Times and people started coming to him with broken radios and he could fix them. That's how his love for electronics started. A great man, rest in peace. Absolutely. So another person interestingly passed away and this person was the oldest living person at the time when he passed away at the age of 116 Jiruyo Mon Kimura, Japan. Jiru Mon Ki, yeah. Let me do that again. Jiru Mon Kimura, Mr. Kimura, Mr. Kimura from Kyotango in Japan. He passed away of old age after seeing four emperors and sixty-one prime ministers come and go. Japan has a very loosely held political system, man. Sixty-one prime ministers <laughs> in hundred and sixteen years. Averaging 1 p.m. in two years. Yeah, all right. But that's quite a feat. What did he do? Was he like Foja Singh who ran marathons after he was 89? And He is attributing his longevity hmm. to walking early, eating small amounts, reading the newspaper and watching parliamentary debates on television. <laughs> the, the, the last two things is a bit suspect. But okay. Hey, he lived 116, right? You got to so, take his word, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. But genetics definitely may have played a part too. Because four of his siblings live beyond the age of 90. And his youngest brother died at 100. He had seven grandchildren, 25 great-grandchildren, and 13 great-great-grandchildren. So it was a big family. Great, great, you know, my great-grandmother was very much alive and kicking until about four months ago. She was 99. She great-grandmother, oh. yeah, in Sangli. So, so you're going to live long then. 
So after Mr. Kimura has now passed away, Misao Okawa, another Japanese woman, sorry, Osaka. Uh, she lives in Osaka. Now holds the title of being the oldest person and also the oldest woman. Amazing. How long do you think we are going to live? I'll give myself 75. I don't want to live beyond 75. Oh, come on. Look at Bose. He contributed so much more than... Yeah. See, he was super smart. So, I think he had a lot more <laughs> brain power. That's why. 75 is... I will die gracefully. I will die happily. We will... If we are still doing this... I <laughs> <laughs> And if we, I hope we are on to better things. <laughs> we will see. Yes, indeed. Oh, boy. So, the Indian Badminton League came about. We always talk about cricket all the time. What is the Indian Badminton League? Some big money for some of our young badminton players. Matches which last not more than 40 minutes. People don't actually come out in droves to watch it. But some of them are making good money, I think. It's good news. What do you think? Yes, absolutely. So, right now, according to an article that I read, a player, a badminton player who reaches the quarterfinal stage in India gets paid around 10,000 rupees. This league is touted as the world's highest paid league. Is that of the prize money is the highest when it comes to this badminton tournament in the world. Of course, the Badminton Association of India announced the league and sold franchises. There is a franchisee in Hyderabad, Bangalore, Delhi, Lucknow, Lucknow is of course Sara, then Pune and a consortium led by V. Chamundeshwar Nath and that franchise owns Mumbai. This Chandi, as he is called, leads a consortium in which Sunil Gavaskar is part of that, Nagarjuna is part of that, Dhoni's company is also part of it. And that's the company that purchased the most expensive player as per the IBL auctions that happened. They bought Lee Chong V. For $135,000. He's world number two and he's like a spring. I don't watch badminton, but I was watching it during the Olympics, the last, the finals between him and one Ling, Dang, I forgot his first name. He's called the Super Dang, Super Dan, D-A-N. It went down to three sets or three games up right until the match point and it was brilliant. He's all over the court. Lee Chong Wee, he's a Lee, one of the best. He's a Lee, he's a Lee, Bruce he's Lee. Bruce Lee also. Something happened about Bruce Lee also, right? Yeah, yeah, 40th anniversary this week. (laughs) Exactly. So that was probably the first action movie that I watched. Enter the Dragon, was it? Yes, Enter the Dragon. (laughs) You're a black black belt too. You would have done that many times when you were a kid. (laughs) I didn't do. (laughs) No, I didn't do. There were many jokes also on, on Bruce Lee, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. What is his girlfriend's name? Rudali. This, this whole thing. Sorry. Rudali. <laughs> Rudali. <laughs> Go on, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so what, what were we talking about? IBL. IBL. The IBL ka governing council consists of people like Pulela Gopichan, Pradeep Gande, Vimal Kumar. All these guys have, have been great badminton players for India. Each franchise also has approximately $275,000 for these 11 players. 14 to 31st, it's going to run, it's going to be telecasted on ESPN as well. That's, I think, brilliant. ESPN, 10 Sports and Sony. So, there'll be people watching too. We should definitely go and check out one of these matches live. Tata Sky recording. Okay, trivia, trivia. What is the fastest recorded smash in badminton? I'll give you a hint. In tennis, it's uh, 155 miles per hour, which is pretty fast. But tell me, what could it be in kilometers per hour in, in badminton? 
304 kilometers per hour. Can you believe that? Yes, it was hit by Fu Huang Haifeng. <laughs> oh, you are just pulling it. this out, <laughs> just, out of the hat. No, I googled it. Oh, really? What's his name again? <laughs> you didn't know that. <laughs> it was the smash shot was hit by Fu Haifeng, badminton doubles player during 2005 Sudirman Cup. Sudirman Cup or Sudirman Cup? I don't know. Yeah, but it was fast. Must have been fast. Yes. Hey, hold on. There was another fastest one that happened on 9th April 2012. So latest, let's say, Tan Bun Hyong, 421 kilometers per hour. Oh, I don't think you'll even sight that shuttlecock at that speed. And it's a tough game. We've all played gully badminton, and we can't stand on that court for more than 15 minutes without taking a quick breather. It's it's a tough one. Man. But these guys also have super badminton rackets, right? So yes, of course they do. But the amount of fitness to just survive an hour. Why do you think badminton games last not more than for 40, 40, 45 minutes? Because I don't think a human body can take more than that. Unlike tennis, which you can see four hours long. I don't know how they manage. I, I even don't know how Murray can last four hours or how Nadal and Djokovic what five hours, 43 minutes. Do you know Djokovic uh, sleeps in something called cryo sleep environment, where temperatures go up to minus 30 degrees in the night, so that he can be fit for the next day's match on a big tournament after having played a five-set encounter the day before. They practice in some different scientific environments altogether. Okay. Vijay Amritraj said that back in our days, we would go out and have a biryani after a five-set encounter and, <laughs> and and go back on the on the field a couple of days later. <laughs> These guys take it so seriously. Murray was practicing because it was 30 degrees Celsius outside on the day of the finals of Wimbledon. Murray practiced in a room where the room temperature was upped to simulate the one that was going to be out there, and that's where he was practicing. These guys. Take their sport seriously. Yeah. Anyway, so those were the topics that we had for Indicast episode number one eighty-five. Now we hope to be back next week as well with more stories. Until then, do track us and keep up with us on Facebook. Just search for Indicast Podcast Network, and you'll find the group there. Start liking us out there. Start sharing the podcast link that we post on Facebook. We are also available on www.theindicast.com. That's our official website. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, which is at Indicast, and I am at AC Matre. Abhishek is at Abhishek Kumar. That's about it. Bye. Bye.